we have been uh, blessed as a family, the Note Helper family, to uh, be given the gift from this congregation and uh, from the Lilly Foundation to take a sabbatical this summer. And as we have been preparing, it's been uh, it's been a long uh, time of preparation. And one of the uh, gifts that has been given to me is the gift of Mark Walrath, who has been our congregational representative for the sabbatical time. Mark is a, uh, a counselor, a pastor, a friend. How and... are you really feeling right now? <laughs> <laughs> what time is it? <laughs> It has been a wonderful gift to be able to walk with Mark this last year and to help plan for not only what are we going to be doing as a family, but what are you all going to be doing? And so there are many, many opportunities for you all to be blessed this summer. And Mark is going to help us to kick off this summer of keeping in step with the Spirit this morning. And so we just thank you, Mark, for all of your time and energy. And we just ask that God would bless you this morning as you bring his word and that we would hear your word as God's word to us. Can we pray for you as you? Absolutely. Thank you. God, thank you for Mark and his gift uh, to this congregation. We ask that you would anoint him with your spirit, that you would bless him as he brings your word, and that we would hear his word this morning as your word to us. Speak to us that word that we each need to hear, that we know that we are in the presence of a God who speaks this morning, who calls us by name, and invites us on this journey of keeping in step with his spirit. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. All right. Well, good morning. You guys sounded awesome this morning. We, we wanted this summer to be about keeping in step with the Spirit. How ironic that last night when I went to bed at like 11 o'clock, planning on getting up at 4 to polish this off, I'm laying in bed, I'm going, this is a mess. And Linda goes, can I pray for you? And I go, yes. (laughs) And so she's praying, and then after, and I'm starting to try to fall asleep after I settled my head down, and she goes, God's telling me, just let it happen. I'm like, dang it. (laughs) Okay. And and the thing is, this word that I want to share with you this morning, and I've still been tossing around of how to do this, this word was put in my heart 25 years ago. 25 years ago, our marriage was just about done. And uh, this verse was kind of my mantra, kind of my, my foundation that I lived off of for that period of our life. And obviously God did something because uh, next weekend's our 40th anniversary. So... <laughs> And she keeps putting up with me. I don't know why. Dallas Willard wrote, we are invited to make a pilgrim, pilgrimage into the heart and the life of God. And if anything, that's one of the passions that Kurt and I have been talking about is how do we step into the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit? So as Kurt and Tammy are, and Lucas are embarking on a journey for themselves in a pilgrimage in their own right to discover roots, to the destinations, and to discover where God is taking them in their personal lives, we are going to be on a journey as well. And I'm inviting everybody to be a part of this. And at the end, I'll talk about the kind of things that we have put together to help with that. But I want to share a little bit about 
from this one verse out of the Old Testament, out of the book of Hosea. And I want to set up the background because it's important to understand, and I may not even use my notes, heck with this. Um, It's important to kind of understand what the context was. Israel had been taken into exile. And along the way, there were leaders and kings that started to infiltrate and combine the worship of God, the worshipers of God, with the worship of Baal. And so their goal was to create kind of this national faith, but it was very much a watered-down faith from what God had always wanted and that relationship that God had always wanted. And for a while, this was built up, and then it got stomped down, and then the daughter of Jezebel renewed it again, and another king started creating molten images and, and um, statues and stuff to Baal. So at the time that Hosea is writing and speaking, he is working on trying to call back the people of Israel to what they were initially um, committed to with God, that covenantal relationship with God. And so in that context, and there's a lot that we can learn from, from what was going on, but we got to understand also that Hosea, if you've ever read the book of Hosea, Hosea went through a lot. You know, God asked him to marry a prostitute, and she was unfaithful. Some scholars see that as a parallel to showing that Israel was unfaithful to God over and over. But one of the things that Hosea knew as a person was the personal quality of God in his boundless and changeless love. And he reaches out to these people to try to help them get back connected to that God. Um, He was issuing a call of repentance, but also a call of reformation of their life. So as he was doing this, it's important to understand that obedience... um, Obedience doesn't mean following a bunch of strict rules at this point. Obedience has to do with being a part of that two-way relationship, that two-way communal covenantal relationship that God established with Abraham generations before. Obedience, when you look at the word in its original language, means that when I look at what God has done in my life, I am compelled and desire to step into his ways. And that is what Hosea is trying to bring to the table in this verse. It is, to me, one of the most powerful, wonderful verses in the Bible. And, and what I want you to do, I don't know if you're going to put it up on the screen, that's fine. But what I'd like you to do, I want to read it twice, and I would like you just to close your eyes and take it in. Okay? So Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. Sow for yourself righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. Let me read it one more time. Sow for yourself righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, that he may come 
and rain righteousness upon you. So we have a lot of things going on here. First of all, throughout the Bible, this concept of sowing and reaping is one of the ways that God helps us understand that his design is a cause and effect design. What we plant is what we reap. If we plant good things, we are going to grow good things in our life. If we plant bad things, we're going to plant bad, or we're going to grow bad things in our life. This is just part of God's design. As a therapist, I see that all the time come to fruition in people's lives. And part of what I try to do is help them embrace the truth about themselves and see that they have an option to plant different kinds of seeds. He is calling people, he is calling Israel to plant seeds of righteousness. And what is righteousness? Well, righteousness is uprightness, just, correct. Those are, those are some of the definitions. But in the Old Testament, righteousness is not a matter of the actions confirming a given set of situations or, or uh, rules, but it's the behavior which is, that we keep in the relationship to that two-way relationship between us and God. That's what righteousness is. So he's calling them to seek righteousness or to, to sow righteousness in a way of rebuilding that relationship with God. Remember, they have lost their way in a lot of ways. Their faith is mixed up with all kinds of other deities and, and belief systems that existed. Hosea is essentially asking them to renew their covenantal relationship with God. Now, it's not an ethical perfection that he's asking for. What he's asking for is for them to start participating and seeking and partaking of God's grace and forgiveness and guidance. So we sow, there has to be reaping. With sowing always comes reaping of some kind. And in here, he's talking about reaping what? The steadfast love. The minute we start to sow towards God's direction, the first thing we get is that steadfast love because we're, we can take it in. Because we're moving in his direction and that love can start coming into us. We're ready to take it in. Okay? The thing is that that reaping, that, ter- that fact that God will do that, that's part of God's character. He's all along trying to pour his love into us. A lot of times it's whether we're willing to take it in. Right? So, so here Hosea is trying to say, this is how you renew this. This is how you get back to your basics. Then he says a really curious line that, that this, was the ver- this was the line that became the thing I stood on that summer. Break up your fallow ground. Breaking up your fallow ground. It's really easy to sow seeds in soil that's soft and gentle and workable. It's a lot harder to sow the seeds in ground that's parched and hard and been caked for a long time. So he's challenging Israel to do the hard work, 
to dig up the ground that they have let harden in their hearts and in their minds. Start to dig that up. Start to plow it. Start to put fertilizer in it and get it rich for growth. Because that's what has to happen if there's going to be true transformation. If I only sow the seeds in the softest part of my heart, that's easy. The hard part is surrendering for them to surrender all the comforts of having this really loosey-goosey type of faith. Hosea realized that the people had become distant with their creator. He realized that they may even be, have become indifferent. And so he doesn't pull his punch to say, this is what it's going to take. He follows it by saying, now it's time to seek the Lord. So we've heard four verbs now. Sow, reap, break, and seek. These are all our responsibilities. These are all Israel's responsibilities. To take the time to seek and pursue God with everything that we have. Because that's how we're going to get that connection. That's how we're going to end up being on that pilgrimage. Because that's what the pilgrimage is. It's seeking God. It's pursuing his heart. It's pursuing his passions, his, his love, his ways. And that's what he's calling Israel to do. But look at the promise that comes. I love this line. If you do these things, the promise is that God will rain upon you righteousness. So not only will we be planting seeds of righteousness by us doing the things that we need to do, but God is going to pour his righteousness upon them. So as I've thought about this passage over the years, one of the things that really struck me and is, that my heart is really feeling <clears throat> is that the people of Israel at that time are much like, I don't know if we're much different in how we've allowed our faith to be watered down or diluted by things of the world. Okay? And it's not that you all aren't great people and love God, but there's a lot of subtle ways that we allow our faith to be diluted down and we allow ourselves to let things come in and influence us in ways that take us away from this. Take us away from really knowing the heart of God. So when I looked at this, I thought, okay, so what are some of those areas that, that I can share with you where that might happen for us? The first is control. Sometimes it's a fact that we're taking the lead rather than letting God take the lead. That we're, we're believing that our wisdom, that our skills, that our strength is sufficient enough and that I don't need to really rely on God to take the lead, that I'm going to do it. We act on our own willpower, our own wisdom, and our own strength. And God often becomes an afterthought. Sometimes only there when we're in crisis. Ultimately, it may be that we really are afraid to truly trust and unconditionally trust God and God's design for us. I can tell you, I know I struggle with that. 
And I'm standing up here trying to tell you about it. Okay? But I know if I really broke it down, there are parts of my life, ooh, I have a hard time surrendering those to God. Okay? I hold on to them. Sometimes I hold on to them pretty tight. Ask my wife. She'll tell you I do. (laughs) I can be stubborn. Okay? But there's another side of control. We often believe that when we are in control, that there are other influences that may have more control over us, such as the things we worry about, the things we obsess about, addictions, careers, money. I can go on for a whole long list that they may have more power in our life than we do. I work with a lot of addicts, and this is one of the principles. Addicts always want to feel like they're in control when they are very out of control. Okay? We are either living our lives on our own volition or we're surrendering ourselves to a myriad of trappings of this world. Both keep us separated from that covenantal relationship with God. How do we let go? How do we really let go and trust God? And that's one of the things we hope that we can make some progress with this summer by keeping in step with the Spirit. I'm encouraging you all to see what the Spirit will do in and through you this summer. And we'll talk, I'll talk about that in a minute. But the second area that I think can be difficult are secrets and shame. A lot of us may struggle with really being afraid of what somebody might think if they saw all the corners of our heart and our mind. That's a hard thing to be that vulnerable, to really let people see that deep. And so we hide. And when we hide, we pull away from God. And when we pull away from God, then we're going to live based on our own will and our own power. Secrets and shame can come from all kinds of places, from wounds, from guilt and shame. But God never intended us or desired us to walk in a way that we felt like we were less than, that we weren't good enough. I don't know, it was a year or two ago, Kurt preached a series of sermons um, on, uh, dang, I just went blank. Um, Wow, that just went away. It was addressing this whole thing about these lies we buy into. Pardon? No, it was before that. It, I know the book just went out in my brain because I love this book. You'll, you'll figure it. Read my mind. Um, <laughs> but it was addressing these five lies that we buy into about how we view ourselves. Okay? And the, the author's McGee. And... Uh, and, it was, and, that, and that's what we do. We buy in these lies about how we should see ourselves, but it is not, it's not scriptural. It's not how God's design is, but we do buy into it. And so we hide because of those, those feelings we have about ourselves and how we view ourselves. The third area, I think, that struggles and compromises us is blame. And blame is a symptom of refusing to accept or even recognize our own responsibility for the choices we've made and what it's created. Sometimes we'll blame others. 
Sometimes we'll blame our situation. Sometimes we'll blame God. But this is hard for us to look and go, okay, what do I have to do about this? You know? And, and so we have, this is a place where I think we can get stuck as well. And we can start to wither away our connection to God. The fourth one is probably the biggest one. Denial. Denial has a lot of components. And I'm going to just kind of run through some of them quickly. The biggest one, I think, is redefining what is normal. And I think the danger, and this was the danger for Israel, is what they did is they redefined what is Christian, what is that covenantal relationship. And they stopped basing it on what was in their scripture, and they based it on what they were told and what they were influenced by. And so we lose our foundation. And, and redefining normal so that it fits our lifestyle. I've said this for years. We often will create a theology around our behaviors rather than create our behaviors around our theology. Okay? And I think if we are going to step into the Spirit, we need to be willing to get back to the basic, get back to this, to, to learn to know this well, to know God's heart well, because that's our plumb line. That's what's going to help us stay grounded. It'll help us have the ability to set boundaries in places where we need to say, well, no, I can't go there. And it doesn't mean we have to do that out of anger or judgment. I have to be responsible for this walk right here. We also redefine reality and truth. Because sometimes it's hard to look in the mirror and look honestly at what we are. That's challenging. The fifth area and final area where I think we struggle is that we put the enablers in our life. And I'm not talking about the people God has called us to reach out to and minister to and be a witness to. I'm talking about the people we put in our life who they don't follow, they don't live that lifestyle that we're supposed to live, and we're allowing ourselves to become more like them than us staying where we need to be. They, help, they compromise our faith. Now, maybe that's because maybe I'm not strong enough to go, I can't go here. But maybe it's that I don't want to stay grounded here as much as I think I do. We have to wrestle with that. We have to wrestle with being wise about our choices of who we surround ourselves with and the people we invest in because that can make a big difference in our walks. And I'm not saying that we isolate away because we are supposed to be the light and the salt of the world, right? But we have to have our foundation that's strong. Okay? So Hosea is offering this challenge that I think is very pertinent today. He's asking us to sow righteousness. He's asking us to reap God's love, the love that never fails, that never wavers at all. And most importantly, he's asking us to break up the parts of our heart and our mind that we have not surrendered and not been willing to give in to God's way. And if we can do that, we are free to seek God with 
everything we have. And what would happen if we did that? I'm telling you the downpour would be bigger than the kind of rainstorms we get here. Okay? I was listening to the singing this morning. There was some power in the singing this morning. It was beautiful, especially um, oceans. Man, my eyes were watering. I'm sitting there going, oh, this is beautiful. This is great. And my desire isn't to sit there and tell you, oh, you're, you're messing up. It's to say, you know, we all, have, we all have a journey to do. We all have a pilgrimage to do to break up those fields so they can become rich for God's growth, so they can be full of life the way God intended it to be. I would love to see this congregation just, the, the potential of where and what this congregation can do is amazing. Okay, there's so many great people here. What would happen if we let that spirit guide us and we stepped into that? Because that's the invitation this summer. My invitation is that you will take the risk to dig up the fields and to step into the Spirit's leading. You know, Kurt and I worked for nine months on all of what we were going to do this summer, <laughs> and most of it isn't going to happen. <laughs> and, and, and I love it because Kurt goes, well, guess that's where the Spirit's going. And I went, yeah, you know what? You're right. Because the Spirit may had, maybe obviously had a different plan than we were thinking of. And that's good. Because I'd rather step into that path than force it to go my way. Okay? So there's, to wrap up, there's lots of things that, that we have for you this summer that I want you to be aware of. Number one, and a bunch of you, I guess we've already gotten rid of the first group of books. That's awesome. This is an incredible book. This has so much depth and heart to it. And, and in his journey, he talks about what happened in history with significant people of faith, but how it transcends to helping us grow in our faith. This is a pilgrimage journey. I've read this, I think, three times now. And um, it's going to be, a, I think most of you will get a tremendous amount out of it. Now, there is going to be a reflection guide. It's right here. But there's a few empty pages because I have to write it this afternoon. Um, but I will get this to the church tomorrow. And so it will be, they're going to work on getting that available. Just, it's just some extra thoughts about each chapter. And then the staff are going to be putting together small group questions. Some of this is going to be posted online, or I think it's all going to be posted online as well, so that it's easy access for people. But we want you to partake in that. Secondly, we have a huge amount of guest preachers that are going to be here this summer. And they are going to bring what God has let on their hearts, what the Holy Spirit has guided them to share with you. And I want you not to miss any of it. I'm actually kind of disappointed we're going to be gone next weekend. So, but um, I want you to partake of that because who knows what the Spirit is going to do through each and every one of them. The, the response that we had was tremendous. Another piece is on the 16th, which is two weeks from today, I am going to start after the service for whoever wants to join me, a communal listening to Scripture. So this is a time where we're going to just open in prayer. 
And then we're going to listen to recorded scripture for about a half hour, 45 minutes, and then we'll close in prayer. The word is living and active. And I want to see what that word does and whoever does joins me for that through the summer. And I would love to have as many, and I'll, I'll, uh, in two weeks I'll tell you which room we're going to be in. And we'll just, let's see what happens with that. I also want you in your personal lives to be paying attention and following the Spirit's lead. Keep in step with God's Spirit. If, if the Spirit is calling you to reach out to somebody, do so. I really want to hear, I, I want you to have stories to tell at the end of the summer. Okay? I want you to, I'm encouraging people to journal about the things that the Spirit does this summer. Because in mid-September, when Kurt and the family are back and, and everything, Kurt's going to share his stories, and I want to share our stories. Because we are family, and we should be sharing our stories together. And that's going to be a jubilee celebration that should be fun. Um, it will be fun. We're going to have fun. Okay? Um, and so it's really important that I want, we, I want to hear those stories. I want those stories to be shared. In conjunction with that, I want to in, videotape and interview people who you have stepped into the Spirit and you have done something. And I want to be able to show like two-minute videos on several Sundays this summer because I want us to know what each other's doing. So please contact me. I have a few names already, but contact me so that we can set up getting that taken care of. I won't embarrass you. <laughs> it's more, I just, I think it's important that we hear what God is doing. With that, all of them are coming in. I love it. With that, what I'd like to do is close in prayer, and then I want to invite Kurt, Tammy, and Lucas to come up, because I want us to send them off with a prayer, and I'm going to invite Whoever wants to come up to lay hands on and pray for them, I believe it's important that we send them off with our blessings and with our support. So let's, let me close in prayer. Lord God, uh, it's challenging to dig up our fields. It's challenging to break up things that we have held on and held away from you for a long time. But I pray, Father, that you will give us the courage and the love to move towards you in a way that we never have before. We ask you, Father, that you will bless us in this journey and this pilgrimage that we're on and that you will be with Kurt and his family as they go on theirs. We lift this up in your name. Amen.